We're going to be talking about the oikos principle today. You might think we're talking about yogurt. <laughs> now, some guys got together and they said, we're going to have some Greek yogurt, but we need a, a cool Greek word. So they came up with oikos. But it doesn't have anything to do with yogurt. <laughs> they just thought it was cool. So I'm going to do two things. We're going to look at that word, make sure you thoroughly understand it, and then we're going to talk about how to, how to do something else. So Pastor Mike finished a series in Mark, right? You guys were doing Mark recently. And he did this story, but I just want to read the end of the verses. And this is what it says. And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Please let me go with you. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home, oikos. Everybody say oikos. oikos. Oh, you speak Greek. <laughs> go home, go oikos to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. When Jesus worked a miracle on someone's behalf, like this man in Mark 5, it was his custom to give them a simple assignment. He always gave them a simple assignment, very easy. Return home with good news. How many of you, God has done great things in your life? So you have good news. Jesus wasn't referring to a home, a structure, a house. That's not what he was referring to. That's not what oikos is. But a network of relationships. Oikos is the Greek word New Testament writers used to present those key relationships. And we, have a, we find these in the center of our life. Like everyone else, our oikos is made up of your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, uh, maybe school, all of these things. Jesus' Jesus's expectations is that we would tell them what God has done for us. The Oikos principle is God's strategy for reaching out to our community with God's love. How many of you were here last week and heard uh, Ed Savolso? He talked about bless and fellowship and proclaim. That's what, that's what this is. Well, we're going to get it real simple and down to earth for you to be able to do this. Acts 10 has a casually given, thoughtful definition of oikos. And oikos is a social system composed of those related to each other through common ties and tasks. The oikos constituted the basic social unit to which the early church grew. And back in the Bible times, the times of Jesus, an oikos included those that worked in the, your fields. It included uh, all of your kids, your extended family, your in-laws, God forbid, no. Uh, but I want to read from Acts chapter 10, just this one little passage, and we'll see that word, oikos. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2 and 24. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, oikos. 
He feared God with all his oikos and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He called them all together. God does not expect you to reach the entire world. That would be crazy, right? What kind of, that's a humongous task. But he does expect you to reach out to your circle. You heard that last week, sphere of influence. You heard different words like that. We all have about 8 to 15 people around us that we need to reach out to, that we're the closest to. These people make up your extended, extended household or oikos. In the early church, people didn't go door to door. They didn't do that. They didn't have crusades. They didn't do street witnessing. That's not what they did. Instead, they shared with their family members, friends, the guy down at the job site, maybe someone that you ran with in the mornings. That's who they shared with. This strategy has worked in every church, every culture, and every age of history since the early church began. The reason it has worked is because each of us has a relational world, and that relational world is responsible for 90% of the people who have come to Christ. 90% of those who are Christians today are because of someone in their oikos told them, brought them. There are many examples in scripture, including the one I just read, Acts 16, the jailer and his household. Acts 18, where Luke describes how Crispus, the leader of the synagogue in Corinth, believed the Lord and all his household. You see it all through the scriptures. The oikos, this is his strategy. Now the key to this principle is integrity and life transformation. Integrity is the proof of life of the transforming gospel. It's the proof. The people in our relational world, they know what we were like before. Right? I know what you were like in high school. I know what you did in college. They know what you were like before you encountered Christ. And now they see what you've become. And I like 2 Corinthians 5.17. You probably all know it by heart, but I like it in the Living Bible. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Over a 30-year period, 100,000 Christians in 50 different denominations and 28 different countries answered this one question. What factor has had the greatest influence in your decision to become a Christian and become part of a church? And this is what, this is what the answers were. A special need. I had a special need. One to three percent. A walk-in. I was walking down the street and I just walked right into the church. Two to four percent. A pastor or a church staff. Zero to three percent. Wow. 
It's not us. Our job is to equip you. The Bible says we equipped you for the ministry. I can't reach your oikos. I can't go to your work and say, or knock, knock. hi, I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor of your neighbor. I'm here to talk to you. It's like, what? That's crazy. I can reach my oikos, my world, and so you can reach yours. Visitation and telemarketing. How many of you love that? People knocking on your door, calling. A half of a percent to one percent. Sunday school or a small group. How many of you are in a life group? How many of you are in a life group? Not very many. You should. More of you should be in a life group. Four to six percent so far. That's the biggest one. People coming to the Lord because of a life group. In September, we're going to give you an opportunity to use that. That's coming soon. You'll hear about it soon. Evangelistic crusade, a half a percent to one percent. All other church programs, two to four percent. How many of you know that's not very much? Here's the last one. Friends or, and or relatives, your oikos, 75 to 90 percent. That's how people come to the Lord. Now, our four worlds, first is biological. That's related to me by blood and marriage, right? That's your ring. Vocational world, your work associates, people you're going to school with. Your geographical world, your immediate community, your neighbors. Who's on the right? Who's on the left of you? Who's across the street? And then the volitional world. This is my choice. Leisure activities, my running club, whatever, those kinds of the people I work out with at the gym. So hopefully you're not taking too many notes right now, because I don't want you, you didn't have to take notes right now. When I was in the Philippines, I took a class called, uh, I went to Bible school there for a whole year, and I took a class called Sociology in the Philippine Context. I was the one American, everybody else is Filipino. I had the highest grade in the class because they were writing, trying to write down everything the guy said. And then when we studied for the test, they would have pages and pages and pages. And I just have a couple of pages at the most. And I tried to tell them, you're writing down everything. You don't need to do that. So I'll let you know when you need to write something down. So times of receptivity. This is when people are receptive to the gospel. Maybe there's a deaf in the family or member or a friend. People are more receptive then. Difficulty or problem that seems to have no easy solution. Illness. Situation change. Job, marriage, divorce, birth of a child. These are all times where people are more receptive. Maybe if you're looking at the calendar, Christmas. People are more receptive then. Easter, that's why Pastor Ken calls it our Super Bowl for the church because that's important. And the beginning of the school year, September, right? Well, it used to be September. Now they're moving into August. That's why in September we always have like a, most of the time we have a campaign. And we have a campaign coming this, this year that will help you. And then the last area is relationships. If you spend one to two hours a week with someone, they're more receptive to you. So, how many of you know what your oikos is now, right? I even taught this to preschools. I said, my world, right? 
This is my world, okay? <laughs> so, your oikos. So now we turn to how to reach your oikos. So, these were handed out, right? Who has got one? Hope you, hopefully you all got one. If you didn't, maybe you could raise your hand and they can get you one. Hopefully we didn't run out. So, reaching your oikos. How do you reach your oikos? That's what we're going to talk about right now. First, identify. That's a key word. Identify the persons in your oikos. Who do you know that lacks a personal connection with Jesus? Make a list. Make a list. That's why I gave you this. So you can make a list. You can just list them right here. You make a list. First thing you have to do is identify your oikos. Make a list. Then make a commitment to pray for them every day. Pray for them every day. See, what you do, you put this somewhere where you see it all the time. Use it at a book, as a bookmark in your Bible. Put it where you're always praying so that you can be praying for your oikos, the people in your life, your world. Now, prayer stops the work of the enemy. Amen? It gives wisdom in our witness. It protects the seed of the gospel. It changes my character when I'm praying. It recognizes I'm a co-laborer. If you want to write something, this would be good. Without us, God won't. Without God, we can't. Let's say it one more time. Without us, God won't. Without God, we can't. We need his power and presence in our life. Amen? Amen. So you can think about focusing your efforts. Where is the greatest opportunity where they're the most receptive? Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God is already working in that person's life. God is already working in their life. He's working, and you have to kind of figure it out. But you got to be sensitive to the Spirit. And relationships are in different stages, okay? Some are ready, maybe ready to accept Christ. Some are not. Maybe they're just ready to be invited to church. There are different stages. And when you force people to make a, de a decision, we call it a, still, a spiritual stillborn. And then, like, weeks later, whatever happened so-and-so? Well, he's not here. He's gone. Because you pushed it. Attentive listening. Your unreached friend will let you know. You'll just be able to pick up a, ah, here we go. Here's something right here. It's related to a need. Doors are felt needs. Receptive moments. Appropriate timing. Look for God to open the door and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He draws people to us. I used to work in a warehouse a long time ago. And uh, you knew when it was 5 o'clock because you hear, ch -ch -ch -ch. they were open beer cans all over the warehouse, <laughs> all over uh, where the uh, salespeople were. Everybody's open beer cans. And uh, one, of the, one of the newer guys because I drove the truck, I worked in the warehouse, I did all kinds of stuff. So I'm training this guy to, to drive the truck. 
showing where things are. So we're loading the truck, and he asked me, what kind of music do you listen to? So I explained to him, I listen to gospel music, and he's all, oh, that's why you don't drink. <laughs> and then he said, come to think of it, I haven't heard you swear either. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was one guy, he's like the class clown. How many of you know, have, have class clowns that you, he liked to always like tease me. Hey, there's a preacher man, all right, here's, here's Holy Joe, right? I mean, he was always like stuff like that. You know, putting on a show for everybody. So one time we're in the warehouse and we're way in the back and we're inventorying the filters. And so this is what he does. And he starts asking me questions. And he starts probing me. And I'm like, where did that come from? So I just start answering the questions and witnessing to him. So you never know, right? But you gotta be sensitive to the spirit. You gotta look for his timing. We want disciples, not decisions. Disciples, not decisions, that's the goal. Now, this is the thing. Unincorporated converts, they rarely stick. They rarely stick. Incorporation begins before conversions. We need to bring them in love and accept them, and in that environment, they'll come to the faith. So that's why it's so important to invite them to church. And, they, and so many people here in Cathedral of Faith, they came week after week, month after month, and then they finally made a decision for Christ because they were incorporated and they stuck. They're still here. So the first thing you have to do, make a list and start praying for them. Make that list and start praying for them. Second thing you have to do, because Jesus' strategy for building the church is focused on relationships, Investing in your relationship. Invest. That's a key word. Invest. Whether it's a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, or a relative, when you invest in someone's life, it can be a display of God's love. Like this guy here. Oh, where'd they go? I thought he was up there. There we go. Here is a neighbor that's pouring cement. And he's over there helping him. What is he doing? He's investing in his life. He's investing in his life. Very important. Listening. Meeting practical needs. And just spending time together as friends. Not a project, but as friends. Are valuable ways of investing. So the first thing we do is make a list, right? Identify. Identify. The second thing is invest. We invest in them. Because when we do that, they'll know our love for them, and therefore God's love, too, is sincere and dependable. That's what we wanted to see. The people in your life need to come. They need some things. They need to know some things about your relationship with Jesus as well. They need to know that. It's most, it's so, it's, it's to be able to tell people what Jesus has done for you personally. It's important that the people in your oikos get a chance to know your story. 
How many of you know, we all have story. We all have a story to tell. As a matter of fact, that's the greatest message of your life. The greatest message of your life is your story. And you need to be able to tell that to people. This month we're doing Safe Park. Right back here we have uh, people living in their car. It goes from church to church. Ours cathedral is the month of June. We're also doing Meet the Challenge. It's a barbecue that takes place in a, in a couple weeks. And for the last two years, I got Pastor Use to speak to them. I'm like, yeah, I'll go get them. I just, I'll, make, I'll just like, make sure everything happens. Well, this year he's moving. He can't do it. So now I have to do it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell my story. It's the most powerful. And it'll touch their life. When people are open, it is important that they also hear that they can pursue a relationship with Jesus. Don't worry about, oh, I don't know this, I don't know that. It's all about the things that you already know. What you already know, that's what God will use in your life as you share with people. There are many times when the best thing we can do is invite people. Invite people. Remember, that's your homework assignment, right? Invite someone next week as Pastor Mike kicks off his summer series. Now we might, there's actually three things we can invite them to. It's like three levels. The highest would be to accept Jesus Christ, right? To give their life to Christ. The second, it's not so high, would be invite them to church. Of course, you have to do that before the other, right? Even lower than that, would invite them to coffee or dinner, right? Because you're building this relationship with them. Did you know, well, of course, you heard it on the screen. I think you did, unless they cut that out too. Anyways, 80% of unchurched people, this is what they did in surveys, they found this out, they would accept an invitation to church if it's from a friend, if it's from a friend. So I wanted to talk a little bit about praying for my world, praying for my world. There is great value in praying for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus. In a very real way, it is one of the most important duties that we have. There's a scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is what it says. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, when Peter said this, of course, Peter wrote this, so when he did this, we the church, he said that we the church are a royal priesthood. What does that mean? What does it mean that all of you are priests? Did you know that? All of you are priests. Every single one of you here are priests. Do you believe that? It meant that we have a responsibility to serve as mediators between God and man. We're the mediator, God and man. We're the mediator. 
You see, most people in the world, they don't have that privilege because they don't have a relationship with God. They can't call him father. They can call him creator, but not father. But you do. And so that's a responsibility that we have. We're able to enter the presence of God. Isn't that great? We're able to walk into the presence of God and begin to speak to him. So we intercede on their behalf. We intercede on their behalf. Our oikos, your oikos here, we need to be praying for them. We intercede for them. We need to pray that they will hear the gospel and respond in faith. Not only do we intercede on their behalf, we proclaim God's word to them. That's why it says... Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As you pray, ask God for opportunities to share the gospel. As you're praying, you've got this out and you're praying, ask for opportunities to share the gospel with him. As people on your list come to know Christ, put another name in there. Add another name. That's somebody that needs to know the Lord. So, here are seven things to pray for your oikos. So what I want you to do, I want you all to get out your cell phones. Anybody ever ask you to do that in church? And I want, I want all of you to take a picture of this up here. Okay, everybody get your cell phone out. Take a picture of this is how you pray for your oikos. And later, later, read the scriptures, go over it, look up all the scriptures, and Know that you pray that God would open the door and then for you to share. And that he would remove spiritual blinders. That he would grant repentance and faith. That they would see Jesus as the king. That God would show himself in power. That he would give you boldness to faithfully share the gospel. So God has put people in your life that won't become all that God created them to be unless you pray for them. So you can't call the church and say, Pastor Mike, can you come to my job and pray for my friend Jim? No, you need to pray for them. You need to pray. You're a priest. Our job is to equip you for the ministry. Then you go and you do it. That's the way it's supposed to be. Help someone reach their destiny by asking God on their behalf. Look around. See who's in your life. Who's in my world? Who's in my world? Write it down. Be praying for them. Tell them I'll be praying for you. Behind the scenes, God is at work. Prayer can break the chains that are keeping someone back, holding someone back. In ancient times, a warrior would stand in the gap of a wall. So, see the warrior there? He would stand in the gap there because if he wasn't there, 
I could just walk right in the city, no problem. Take what I want, do what I want. So when there was a hole in the wall, until it was repaired, they would stand there. People all around us have broken down walls in their life. And we can stand in the gap for them. So be a gap standard, not a judge. Speak victory over their life. Make it your mission to stand in the gap for others. You can do that. That's what God's calling us to. You know people that are off course. Stand in a gap for people around you that are not doing right. So who here will take the Oikos challenge? Let me see your hands. Who will do that? So I have a little bit of time to go over that. So as you begin to focus on your list, pray every day, and then follow up God's leading as you invest in their life. Invest in their life. An invitation becomes a part of that strategy. The, Oik the Oikos challenge requires patience. Remember the, the guy on the video? He's all, I know I've asked you over and over, but I'm going to ask you one more time. Will you want to come to church? And what did she say? Okay, I'll come to church. Few of us accepted our first invitation to church. Few of us that did that. So keep that in mind as you're talking to them. And we didn't place our faith in Christ the first time we heard the gospel. There's lots of us. So your continued prayer and investment will eventually intersect into a season of their life where they'll open up. They'll be vulnerable. Just keep inviting them, you never know. God's at work. Don't make those invitations annoying or intimidating. They need to be inspired by your continual care for them. We're just witnesses. Witnessing is not something we do, it's something we are. This is what God did in my life. So make a list, start praying. And over time, Find effective ways to spend time with them and initiate conversations. Invite them to church a bunch of times. Keep praying and watch what God will do in their life. You ask them again to come to church and then they say yes. Oh, yes, finally. Keep it up. Come with them to church. Don't just say, okay, go there by yourself. <laughs> Meet them, be here with them. Continue to pray for them. Remember, disciples make disciples. Not pastors, disciples make disciples. Amen, God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, you saw all the hands that went up of people that 
They want to be used by you, God. They want to reach the people in their world, their oikos. And they're making that commitment to make a list, to pray for that list, to invest in people's lives, to invite them, and to not give up. Thank you, God. Use them. Use them, Lord. Pastor Foreman always taught us every member is a minister. So God, use them as they go this week. And we just, and I just speak peace and blessings over every home represented here. And we thank you, God. I pray you give them victory and strength in their life and use them to reach their world. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Next week, Pastor Mike.